If you guys don't, uh, if you don't know Donnie personally, first of all, you can wave to her. She's in the back right there. Wait, clap for Donnie. Wave, wave to her. Tell her how much you love her. Donnie, we love you. Thank you for sharing your story with us to encourage us. You and I tend to, like we all do, we tend to get trapped in the circumstances of life, don't we? We kind of get wrapped up in our circumstances and sure that there's no way out. And Donnie, thank you for sharing how God met you in the middle of your circumstance where you thought there was no way out. And yet, knowing Christ and the joy of walking with Him, the joy set before us of being with Him forever, God, it far, uh, it far outweighs. So thank you. Uh, and if you don't know Donnie, hug her today, right? And, uh, and get your back cracked like, uh, like uh, who said that? Uh, somebody said, yeah, Bob said that on the video. Get your back straightened out. Donnie, we love you. Uh, today we're talking about sacrifice and how love by nature of who God is and what love is, that, that love is sacrificial. I want to read this passage for you out of 1 John. First uh, John chapter 3 goes like this. It says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. If you've been to K2 at all for any length of time, you know that this is the message of the gospel, that God loves us and we should love one another. And that's exactly what John says. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to get started. God, we're here today as the, the rhythm of life brings us here on Sundays. God, we, we don't just do this rotely. We don't just come here without thought. We come here, God, to hear from you. And so today we're here to you on this beautiful day as summer's coming in and God, there's, there's tons of joy and excitement in our hearts. And God, we, we want to know you more. Even this summer, we want to know you more. We want to love each other well. God, we've been thrilled to see you put love on display. And, and here we are, God, to, to hear from you this morning. Um, God, we want to know what your love is like and who you're calling to, us to be because of it. So God, would you speak here today, um, not because of everything that's going on here or because of the words said or the words sung, not because of any of that, but because your spirit speaks to us through your word. God, would you make that happen today, and then would you give us the courage to follow you? God, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what John tells us is that God's love is sacrificial, and because he loves us, we ought to love in the same way as followers of him. Now, if you're here today and you're visiting, and thanks for visiting us, thanks for checking us out, really our desire is that here at K2 that you would see God, that you would be able to take one step closer to knowing who he is. Some of us come here for the first time, and we're pretty opposed to the idea of a personal God, much less one personal God, and we're checking out this idea. So if that's you, thank you for being here, and thank you for checking this out. God says in his word that he is a person, that he's personal, and that he knows you and I. It says that he delights in every detail of our lives. He knows us, and he loves us, and he sent his son to live and die for us. And 
and that he wants to give life to you and I. And so if you're coming and checking that out, thank you. But if you've come and you've already trusted in Christ, if you already believe that, what we hear today is that God has sacrificial love for us and, and then he calls us to love in the same way, to love others around us in the same way. You and I know this to be true. Um, we find this in all the areas of our lives. Uh, for instance, in all the good stories, right? In all the good stories of life, sacrifice is the measure of love. Do you ever think about how many of our stories and movies all have redemption and sacrifice really at the heart of the plot? Let me just name a few of them to you. We could name dozens more, and I'm sure we could do way more love stories. These are probably a little dude-heavy, but I try to throw in a couple of cheesy love stories just so that some of you can relate. Um, but William Wallace, you know, Braveheart, right? Tons of sacrifice. Here's a love story. You know Jack and Titanic, like the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate love story. One of my favorites, Clint Eastwood, is Walt Kowalski in Gran Torino. Have you seen that one? Uh, if you're under 18, you shouldn't see that one. Um, but uh, fantastic, fantastic movie of sacrifice. Tom Hanks as Captain Miller in Saving Private Ryan. The only thing that really ever redeems Darth Vader in The Return of the Jedi is his sacrifice right at the end for his son. It's the defining moment in uh, Captain America where Steve Rogers, remember all the strong guys all around and they throw a grenade right into the middle of them and the weak little guy, what does he do? Everybody else hides and he jumps on the grenade and that's what they say, that's the one to be Captain America because it's not about your physical strength, it's about your character. It's about love, it's defined as sacrifice. How many more do we need here, right? It really is the heart. If you're an old Trekkie, like 1982 style, Wrath of Khan, when Spock is behind the glass and he sacrifices himself, kind of the, the whole uh, intellectual description, he says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few as he sacrifices himself logically, uh, not emotionally, obviously, because he's Spock. Uh, or if you're younger, okay, uh, you know the movie Cars, right? Um, what does Lightning McQueen do at the end of the movie Cars? What does he do? He sacrifices his rookie win in the Piston Cup to go back and to help the king across the line, right? Sacrifice is the definition of love. It is the theme in every, every good story or even more closer to reality. Why do we just completely have respect and gratitude for the passengers of Flight 93, United 93, right? They saved the White House or the Pentagon or the Capitol with self-sacrifice, right? As United 93 went down in Pennsylvania. Um, it's at the heart of everything. Even in lighter ways, it's the heart of it. So we, uh, we have birthdays at our house. I don't know if you have birthdays at your house. I hope you do. We love birthdays. We love to celebrate what God's doing in each one of our kids' lives and our lives. And we really try to make them significant. And, and so... But we have, there's six of us. Like, I don't know how there got to be six of us, but there's six of us. And birthdays happen a lot at our house, right? And it seems like they happen one on top of the other. And, and so sometimes a birthday is here and you totally forgot about it. So I have this stash of gifts, right? Like if I find something I think the boys might like, I buy it. And I've got a couple different places in the house that I hide stuff because otherwise they would already have it, right? They'd already find it. And so... Um, on mornings when I've forgotten about a birthday, like if I've forgotten to organize like for the other boys to give a gift, because the boys are getting old enough, they like to give gifts to their brothers and their mom. And there's nothing worse than having your dad say, okay, here's three things. Which one do you want to give as a gift to your brother? They're not satisfied by that. It's a gift, right? 
it's a, it's a cool thing, but what do they want to do? They want to pick it out themselves. In fact, do you know what my boys even want to do? They want to spend their own money to give a gift to their brothers. Not because they're like so amazing, but because it's not really a gift if you didn't pick it out and spend a little bit on it, right? It feels more like a gift if I actually put my own in on it. Does that make sense, right? Uh, a gift that doesn't cost anything, is it really a gift? We kind of know that, don't we? And so love at the heart of what it is, it's a sacrifice. So love that doesn't sacrifice isn't love. And that's obvious to all of us. So when we talk about God's love, just continuing, so what do we sacrifice? What do we have to sacrifice for it to be love? Okay, and God's really clear about this. We sacrifice our will. Okay, track with me on this. We sacrifice our will. Jesus did this over and over, okay? It's at the heart of our relationship with God. The disciples walking with Jesus for some time, following him in life, they said, hey, Jesus, we noticed that you pray. Would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to talk to God? Now, they all came out of a Jewish system of religion, and they obviously had some ways to pray, some ways that they knew of. And Jesus said, listen, don't ramble on and on like other religions do. Don't just repeat words over and over. Don't think that the louder you get, the more God hears. He said, listen, just pray simply like this. And, and in Matthew 6, you know the Lord's Prayer. But this is, uh, this is the part of the Lord's Prayer that I want to start on just as he begins. In Matthew 6, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, or, or worshiped be your name. Your name be high and lifted up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Jesus says right from the start, as you approach God, worship him, say, God, you're in charge. Your name is hallowed, much less you, right? You are hallowed, but, but let's even just begin with saying your name out loud. Your, your name is hallowed, and you are hallowed, and would your will be done? Would you bring me in line with your will and would you execute your will here? What Jesus is saying, it's not my will, but your will be done, okay? So Jesus says, as we approach God, that's the heart of our relationship with, with God, our dad. Is that, because that, that word father, you know, as well, and it, that word father is, is the mo most intimate father word there is. It's daddy, right? It's crawl on your dad's lap, dad, daddy. And he says, Daddy, would your will be done? Okay? We could talk forever about that prayer. The people around him, the religious people around him were like, how dare he speak so casually about God? How dare he claim such intimacy with God? And so what Jesus says is, your will be done. So we're sacrificing our will. Um, Jesus continues, you know, in John 17, it's called the high priestly prayer of Christ. Right before Christ is crucified, uh, Jesus has this amazing prayer, this amazing conversation with his dad, with his daddy. And he says a number of different things that really should mark us. And really we seek to have mark us as a church. And he prays right before he's arrested and crucified. And, and really what he says overarching all of this is he says, and God, I want, I want these people to love so well that the world obviously knows they're from you. What he specifically says is, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so Jesus prays, and what he says specifically about his will, he says, God, I, this is in verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing up the work that you gave me to do. 
He says, the work that I've done here, the words that I've spoken here, they were your words. See, Jesus, even as God in flesh, submitted his will to God's will. And so when you and I give sacrificially, when we love sacrificially, we are sacrificing our will. Just to that point, Jesus goes even further and he says the same thing. Um, he says in Luke 22, he says this, uh, as he's praying in the garden before he is crucified, he is saying to God, God, is there any other way this can happen? And again, what he says in Luke 22 is he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Okay, Jesus over and over loved his father and loved us as he sacrificed his will and his desires to the will of the father, to the will of his dad, to the will of God. Uh, John 8 continues the same thing, and he, he's speaking to a group of people. Um, and they're asking him who he is. This is in John 8, verse 25. He says, who, who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. These are the religious leaders who are trying to accuse him. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Okay, what does he tell the world? He tells the world specifically what he has from the Father. They did not understand what he was telling them about the Father. So Jesus said this, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, meaning when you have crucified the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing but speak just what the Father has taught me. I do nothing but submit my will to the will of the Father. I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what he pleases. So when we sacrifice, we sacrifice our will. Um, what does that look like in uh, relationships? What does it look like to, to sacrifice your will? What does that look like? You see, we have opportunities every day to sacrifice our will and to serve others, right? At work, it pretty much stares you right in the face when you are given something to do, when you're given a task, and your will is even simply to do it a different way, and you have all kinds of options to, to sacrifice your will and to serve or to, to try to do it in your own direction. Um, in relationship, don't, aren't there all kinds of ways to sacrifice our will and our desire, right? Going out to eat. Let's say you're going out to eat after church today in a very simple way right? And if there's five people, there's five different desires about where to go to eat, right? And if you are always the person that has to eat at the place you want to eat at, you probably could exercise this idea of love by sacrificing your will, right? Simple steps towards sacrificing your will, your desires. We're going to flush some of those things out in a little bit. Um, by the way, there's uh, cards on your on your seats, and uh, if you have a pen, or, uh, or we'll, we'll have some pens later, but later, and I just want you to, as you're thinking of thoughts, really what we're going to get to today is just a couple minutes to spend quietly to say, okay, God, first of all, have I received your sacrificial love? And then secondly, God, if, if I know your sacrificial love, if you, if you really have come into me, then, then what are ways that I could sacrifice more? Now, we're going to talk specifically about how, how do you know when it's enough, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but how do I actually know when I'm sacrificing? Because quite frankly, sometimes what I'm sacrificing today 
isn't a sacrifice later, right? Like if I sacrifice something today and I continue to do that, in two years that might not be sacrifice anymore. And so how do I continually sacrifice? How do I continually love in a sacrificial way? We'll get to that. Um, thirdly, sacrificial love, when we sacrifice, when we love this way, um, it, sacrificial love is no respecter of persons, okay? I want you to think through this um, because oftentimes what, what sacrificial love, what we can think of as sacrificial love is we can think of sacrificial love as, as sometimes man-pleasing. Like I could sacrifice to you all the time really just to get your approval, and that's not sacrificial love. Uh, I could really be completely codependent on your response to me. And I could call that sacrificial. I could lay down my... But sacrificial love is no respecter of persons. We're going to see this in Jesus, okay? So when we love like Jesus, um, the people around us will feel it, okay? And they're going to feel it in a couple different ways, okay? Because the people around Jesus felt his sacrificial love, his obedience for God, and his love of them... They felt it, and they felt it in a couple different ways. Okay, first of all, they're going to question it, guaranteed, that when we really live out sacrificial love, people will question it. They did it with Jesus over and over, okay? So uh, Luke 2, turn to the, or up on the screen or turn to Luke 2. Also, um, if you're new here, uh, one of the things we have is there's, a, there's an app on your phone called YouVersion. All the notes and all the scriptures are on the YouVersion app, and so you can get that. Um, so we're going to Luke chapter 2. This is, as Jesus begins in ministry, he, he's in Jerusalem, and he kind of goes back towards his hometown, and he is speaking the things of the kingdom of God. He's sharing in a local place, and in Luke 2, uh, this is kind of the way it goes down in his hometown. Um, when his parents uh, saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, oh, not, this is, not, I got the wrong verse, okay, um, Forgive me. In Luke 2, earlier on in Jesus' life, uh, when Jesus is just a young guy, he's 12 years old, and they go to Jerusalem every year for Passover, just like every good Jew does. And, and so they go for Passover, and they get two or three days away, and they realize that Jesus isn't in the caravan, right? And he's lost. And you've heard this story. And um, by the way, if you haven't seen your kid this morning, right, I would suggest that you do something about that now. Don't wait until Tuesday. Okay, in our culture, if you haven't seen your kids since yesterday or whatever, you don't even need to stay for the rest of the service. Go ahead and leave right now. Find them, okay? Um, in that culture, you could be missing for two or three days and nobody really thought anything of it. So, um, so Jesus is gone for two or three days, and this is in Luke 2, and they go back to Jerusalem where they last saw him, and they're searching frantically the city. They got posters up. They got milk cartons, right? They're looking for him. And, and they finally... They decide to go to church to pray, and there he is, and he's surrounded by the teachers, right? And they're all in awe of this, this young guy. And, uh, and this, is what, this is the way it goes down. His parents see him, and they're astonished, and his mom says to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Okay, understand exactly what she said. Why have you treated us this way? Why have you treated us so disrespectfully? Why have you not shown respect and love and care for us and obedience to us as parents. That's what she's asking. Why in the world would you just disappear? And this is Jesus' response. 
And this really is, this sets the tone for really his whole relationship with us as people because, because sacrificial love, it, it, we're going to feel it from each other. Here's what he says. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. He says to her mom, I mean, where else would I be? I'm here with my dad. Like, why did you even have to look? Why did you have to worry? Why did you have to even question it? I, I'm here in my father's house. I'm, I'm here doing the things that my father would want me to do. I'm here having the discussions that my father would want me to have. I'm, I'm doing the things that God would want me to do. And his mother said, don't you even care about our feelings? And, and Jesus, it says that he continues to, to honor his parents and to grow up. And, and, but in this, in this moment of confusion, Jesus very clearly says, I have a sacrificial, loving relationship with my heavenly father that is always going to trump your feelings, that is always going to trump your preferences, okay? People will question it. They continue to question it, right? So Jesus grew up, and, and by all we know, he seems like he was a carpenter inside the family business and helped provide and help work hard and, and all of that. And he enters into ministry, and we see that shortly after he enters into ministry, he goes to his hometown, just like I started to say before. And in Mark 3, here's exactly what happened. It's almost the exact same scenario 30 years later, or 20 years later, excuse me. 20 years later, it's almost the exact same conversation Mark chapter 3 goes down like this. Jesus had entered a house, and this is in his hometown, and again a crowd gathered, and he his disciples weren't even able to eat. And his family heard about this, and they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. All right, what was Jesus saying? Publicly, he had gone out, he's preaching, and, and he's going around all of Judea, all of Israel, into Jerusalem, and he's saying, I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. And his family Right? Just like he said in the temple when he was 12, he said, hey, I'm going to do the work of God. I'm going to be committed to my father. I'm going to, and his family said, man, Jesus, you're out of your mind. We don't understand. And Jesus sacrificially loved and obeyed his father, even when it called his questions into motive with his family, even when it called his sanity into motive, with his, or sanity into question with his family. Are you tracking with me? And so Jesus loved his parents, and yet he, he wasn't so dependent on their approval that he said, well, God, not yet. Can you imagine what would happen if, if Jesus said, well, God, I, I know that it's time, but my mom doesn't understand yet. And so I can't do that yet, God, because my mom doesn't understand yet. Yeah, I mean, the, the story's nothing like that. And the people around Jesus, they felt it. So many times they will question it. Now, what does that look like with uh, you and I? I? I only have my own experience. I have some of your experiences, but I can share my own experience. Um, Crystal and I, uh, at one point in time in 2003, we were introduced to this idea of HIV. I don't know how we missed it for the decade before that, but we were introduced to the idea of HIV in Africa. And, and in a moment in time, really felt like God called us to go to Africa. And... 
for as many people as, for as clearly as God really confirmed it, man, tons of people had huge questions, right? And do you know who they were? They were all of the people closest to us. All, uh, like my best friend in ministry, all of the people in our family closest to us. Why? Why did they question it? Because, not because we're that much to lose, but because they had us to lose, right? It, it meant for us to possibly go to the other side of the world, which is pretty inconvenient, you know, for, for family gatherings and stuff. It, it's, it just is, and it's, it's not cheap to communicate, and it's not cheap to travel, and all of those hassles and you know, all of the rationales, because all of those spill out, right? If you're somebody who's called to serve somewhere or to work somewhere in part of the world, and man, don't they have enough people? Like, we've got plenty of need right here, right? Maybe you want to be an engineer, right? And, and you want to go to an engineering school in Florida, right? Or on the East Coast, because it's a great engineering school. And your mom and dad say what? What do they say? Uh, hello, they do engineering right at the top of the hill over there, right? The U is a great school, why do you want to go there, right? And yet you know in your gut from God that you're supposed to go there. And why, why do we question it? We question it because of the cost to us. But you see, sacrificial love towards God, it, it's no respecter of persons. Does that make sense? All right, we're going to continue on this. Um, they might feel left behind, and this is similar. Um, the, the other thing they're going to feel is they're going to feel left behind or they're going to feel put second, because they are. Jesus does the same thing over and over, okay? Um, continuing on in that story where they came to collect Jesus, they literally came to take collection of him because they thought he was out of his mind. Later, this is Jesus' response to it in verse 33 to 35. Uh, the crowd says, hey, by the way, your family's outside. They want to have a talk with you, right? And uh, they've got the white jacket thing and the whole... And, um, and so Jesus says this in response to, to the people there. He doesn't... Do you understand that he doesn't even go outside and talk with his mother and his brothers. He doesn't, he doesn't even leave the building to go talk to his mother and brothers. And here's what he says. Who are my mother and my brothers? Who are they? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and he says, Here are my mother and brothers. Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And he just says that there is a, a higher order. There is a higher sacrifice. There is a higher love. There is a love. There is a family tie thicker than blood. He says, these are my family. Okay, now that's going to challenge you, and that's going to challenge me. Um, it does. Because when we sacrificially obey God, we're going to feel it, and the people around us are going to feel it. I feel this constantly. You guys know that I'm not from here, and uh, my family lives here in the States. They live in Ohio. I actually just played golf with my dad for the last two days, and we kind of met in the middle and played golf, and you don't get to do that very often when you live on different sides of the continent. And, and so we had a great couple days, but do you think that I don't deeply deeply feel the distance between my family and I. Man, I feel it all the time. And then, you know what's fun is when you have moments together, you think they're going to be fantastic. And then you feel it even more. You know what I mean? Because you'd like that to happen even more. And I understand that it's probably even more of a cost to them. 
because I love my kids. I don't know, uh, a lot of you, how many of you have transitioned through the, the age where your kids are into adulthood? How many of you have done that? And man, is there not this gut-wrenching tearing as they go out into life with the stuff that God has designed for them? Because like, it's not that you don't want to control what they do. Well, maybe some of you do want to control what they do, but you shouldn't, right? You've raised them. You've raised them to be great people. And, and listen, I just want to see what they're doing. It's almost like watching your kids play ball, right? Like, I can't stand the idea of missing a ball game because I love watching them play. I love watching every catch they make or all that kind of thing. But man, to have them doing that somewhere else and me not get to see it very often, I know that's coming my way and I know that's going to rip my guts out. And this kind of sacrificial love, it's no codependent respecter of persons. It's no raising your kids up to live one block away from you the rest of their life so that they're always in your clutches, right? Because that's inside, there's a bit of that inside all of us, isn't there? There is. And this kind of sacrificial love is no respecter of persons. Going on in Mark 10, um, there's this dialogue of, of what does it look like to follow Jesus and the disciples, Peter speaks up for the disciples in Mark 10, and he says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus replies, truly I tell you, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel. Excuse me, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mothers, father, children, or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's fields, along with along with persecutions, and in the age to come in eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last will be first. And just the point, again, we could talk all day just about that passage, but the point is, is that the disciples understood that following Jesus, that loving God, that, that there was sacrifice included. And so Jesus defines and lives out sacrificial love in his time here on earth, and in his sacrificial death for our sins. And the disciples understood that they were living out sacrifice in their following of God. And, and love for you and I, it needs, to, it needs to have this same risk of sacrifice. That love for God needs to have this same flavor of, I'm going to follow you wherever you tell me to go. I'm going to walk with you however you tell me to walk. And others around us are going to feel it. They're going to, they're going to sometimes feel left behind. They're probably going to be cheering for you, but in their gut, they're going to feel left behind. They're going to feel second because they are. They are second to your love for God and commitment to him. They might even misunderstand it. But thirdly, when we really love like this, people are going to feel incredibly blessed by that kind of love. Have you ever known someone who was 100% truthful all the time in every conversation? Well, nobody's 100%, whatever. But have you ever known somebody who is a straight shooter all the time, right? You know people like that, right? They are constantly the same in every... Now, some people are really blunt and harsh all the time, and that's not so much of a blessing. But have you ever... If you ever need to know the truth, right? If you ever need some... Do you have a friend that gives you real feedback, even when it's that awkward comment, 
even when they say what you're fearing, they don't, you don't want them to say it, but you know it's probably true? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have people like that? And are those not the people that you really are truly blessed by? Okay, I've said it before. I mean, it's, they are the people, they're the friends that tell you when you have something on your face, right? And you've just talked to 40 people that didn't tell you about it. They're the people that say, hey, your zipper's down, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's an uncomfortable moment, but it's truthful and it's loving. And you're actually blessed by them sharing that with you, right? It's genuine, true feedback. Some of us spend a lot of time trying to avoid people who give us real feedback, right? And so for you, I would encourage, just if that hits home, I would say, man, step into that. Find somebody to give you just a touch of real feedback, right? Because, because people that will be fiercely committed to God, that will completely love sacrificially, if you're around them, you're going to be blessed by them. They're going to love sacrificially you. They're going to love God, and you know they're going to do what God wants them to do, but they're going to love you in that same way, okay? Um, for one instance in the word of this is that, that God calls husbands and dads, he, he calls men to be like Jesus in this exact same way. Do you know that, that, that God's definition of what a husband is, is Jesus, right? If you ever wondered how to be a a husband, uh, God says, or you know, through the Apostle Paul, the word says, you have to be like Jesus. That specifically, you have to be like Jesus and give yourself up for your wife. To die to yourself for your bride. To put you second and sacrificially put your will behind and to, to serve and give yourself for your wife. In fact, that's what God calls leadership. It's actually one of the most misunderstood passages in all of the word because he actually says that the man is the head of the woman just like Christ is the head of the church and he gives himself up for her. He's not an authoritative, authoritative pounding, right? Ruling, cruel dictator. He is a sacrificing, loving savior who gives everything for the bride. And God says this in Ephesians 5 through Paul. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Right? And when you have sacrificial love in your home like that, that is leading you and your family to sacrificially love for the others in the family, for for your children and for your wife, and that's a blessing, right? When you have sacrificial love that, that puts your will aside and puts first the will of the good of a wife and children and the family, that's a blessing. And men who lead like that will walk with Jesus like that. And they'll lead their family to, to serve, and to give and to walk with him and to be in the word and to really have an open hand to say, God, what's our family about? Men, if, if this is for you like it is for me, this is a huge challenge, right? Because over and over, it's like, man, Jesus is the bar? Well, okay, I'm not gonna hit that bar, you know what I mean? Like, so if Jesus is the bar, how do I, how do I walk that way? And 
how do I lead us as a family? How do I, how do I serve? How do I give of myself in such a way to say, what is our family about? Who are we in you, God, and who have you made us to be? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to spend our time? How are we supposed to spend our money? Where are we supposed to live and work and why? Right? You open all those things up to God and to his will. I sacrifice my will. Put your will first. Man, talk about a family that you want to be neighbors with. Talk about a family that you want to be around, be friends with, right? Sacrificial love. It's going to bless people. So, going back to our first verse in, in uh, 1 John. Here's what he says. 1 John uh, 3. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, see a brother or sister in need, and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So where we want to land today is we just want to land with this idea of action and truth. What does it look like to love with action? What does it look like to love with action? Take your cards and a pen if you need one. There might be somebody in the back with an extra pen. If you need one, raise your hand up. Um, but this is really what we want to, what, where we want to land. And for you, as we enter into this rest of time of, of worship here, how is God calling you to sacrifice? Okay? Um, how is God calling you to love that costs? You know, in, in the scriptures, Jesus stumbles into the, the uh, synagogue and there's people giving and some people are giving lots and one woman gives two little bitty coins and he says, she's given more because it cost her, because it was a sacrifice. It was all that she had, right? He doesn't look at, at you or I and we put in part of what we had and say, she looks at her and he says, that cost her. And so the measure of sacrifice, here's, here's how you can always test it. You'll know you're sacrificing when you put aside your will Okay, that's the first thing. And the second thing is when it costs you. Write that on your card. You'll know that you're sacrificing when you lay aside your will and when it costs you, right? Some of us could much easily, uh, like if you talk about a stranger, let's see, we see a stranger in need. We could much more easily hand a $20 bill out the, the window than we could to spend $5 on a burger and spend 20 minutes with someone, Right? much easier to, to buy that situation off than it is to, to invest 20 minutes with a person. So maybe for you, cost is actually time and real engagement. Do you know what I mean? For me, I, I mean, that hits me home all the time. Like I, can, I can hand a couple bucks out the window all the time, but to actually engage with someone and to actually serve them, to put my will and my agenda and my schedule aside and stop, it's huge. So I want you to think about, on your card, I want you to write down these words. I want you to write stranger, okay? We're talking about sacrificing. I want you to write stranger. I want you to write uh, colleague. I want you to write neighbor, family, and God. Okay, five different things. Five different categories of people. And I want you to ask the question, God, who and how can I take a step towards sacrificial love? I, again, if you're here and, 
and you don't even know the sacrificial love of God, it's not that you can't comprehend it. It's just that you've, you've decided that I'm not ready to believe in that yet. Then, then what God's word says is that you don't know the sacrificial love of God. And so don't, don't try to just mask good love because that's not what happens. What God says is first receive his love, right? And so, man, if that's you today, I would love to talk with you after this. Love to introduce you to Christ. And, and it's really a simple way of saying, God, can I know you? Will you forgive me? Will you come into my life? And I want to I wanna follow you. I want to believe in you. But, but if you've come to believe in him and you are a follower of him that you want to give out this sacrificial love, here's the thing. In these next few minutes as we worship, uh, would you say, God, how am I supposed to love? How am I supposed to sacrifice? How can I give at a place that it costs me where I'm being transformed? It's always the measure of your giving, whether it's time or love, it's when you're being transformed. Do you know when I walk in my garage and my kids' stuff is everywhere, right? We kind of have these cupboards that they put stuff in. And when their stuff is everywhere, I have two choices. I have one choice to walk inside and tell them to get out there and clean everything up, which I've done dozens of times, right? But what transforms me is when I put down my stuff and I pick up their stuff and I go inside and I don't say a word. That's what transforms me, right? On a simple, everyday, walk in the garage after work kind of way. What is it going to be that transforms you? How are you going to give sacrificially in a way that it costs you not because you're, you're earning some kind of badge, but because you're walking in the love of Christ and it's transforming you to be a person that you didn't, you didn't even know how good it was to walk in God's love like that.